The views expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB. It is time for Streetwise with former chief of the New York City Sheriff's Department, former chief of the Seagate Police Department, retired New York City detective, Time Warner Public Access Media Award, Joe Franklin Super Excellence in Broadcasting Memory Lane Award, New York Veteran Police Association Streetwise Production, host of Streetwise, Mr. Lou Tarano. Uh, good evening and uh, welcome back to uh, Streetwise. I also want to welcome back my guest in a moment. I just want to talk a little about him. Uh, you know, we had us all frightened. Uh, you know, I got a lot of calls last time when, uh, you know, hey, listen, we ha- sometimes we hate to face the truth, you know, and uh, let me tell you, you, you have to, uh, you have to listen to me. Anyway, we're going to talk about this uh, electromagnetic pulse uh, known as EMP. And uh, I want to talk about his new book, which is The Manhattan Project. But I want to welcome him back first before we go into his... Uh, oh, by the way, I do have to tell you this. He was... Uh, he, uh, <laughs> this guy has an amazing background. He'd be here all day talking about it. He's director of the United States Nuclear Strategy Forum, including on the advisory board to uh, Congress and uh, studying uh, pretty much and uh, advising us on the possible potential EMP threats, uh, executive director, like I said, National Homeland Security Task Force. I want to welcome back to Streetwise, Dr. Peter Pryor. Welcome back to Streetwise, uh, Doctor. Thank you so much for having me, Lou. Uh, it's a pleasure. You know, you were recently, uh, I see, like you were all over the place, but you've been on uh, Mark Levin recently and Janine Piero and many of these uh, talk shows. And uh, there's a concern, uh, but it's always been a concern, and one of the concerns is the, uh, I just want to just remind my audience for a moment, not to take away any time from Dr. Peter Pry, that the elect, uh, electromagnetic pulse attack is something that will hit our grid system, not the old-fashioned bombs or atomic bombs, and then we're out of business. And one of his books, Blackout War, uh, if you buy that, you'll see what he's talking about. Uh, your new book, The Manhattan Project? Dr. Peter Pry? Yeah, the EMP Manhattan Project. EMP Manhattan Project. In, includes the uh, latest reports from mm. the Congressional EMP Commission, on which I have served as executive director for 17 years. And we have uh, a plan to protect the electric grid and other life-sustaining critical infrastructures from the worst threat, which would be a nuclear EMP attack, or natural EMP that could come from the sun, from a, gi- uh, a solar uh, flare, uh, or from cyber attacks, cyber warfare, or physical sabotage, and it would even make the grid more secure against natural disasters like mm. hurricanes, tornadoes, and, uh, and ice storms. Uh, our grid, our electric grid, we haven't, as a nation, been used to thinking of it as vital to our survival, but it is. You know, we can't live without the electric grid. It supports everything that runs in our electronic civilization. Food, water, business, finance, communications, transportation, everything. And the, the commission on which I served estimated that if we, have, if we had a nationwide blackout that lasted a year caused by a nuclear EMP or a natural EMP from the sun or from cyber warfare or anything, a one-year blackout could kill 90% of the American people through starvation, disease, and societal collapse. And we think, you know, because North Korea's got the bomb, they know about EMP, 
they actually have, uh, as do the Russians and Chinese, mm. what we call super EMP weapons, what nuclear weapons that are specially designed for EMP attack. We think we need a, and since we're under cyber attack all the time, you know, you could you could black out the grid by cyber. Mm. We need a, a a World War II type emergency project like the Manhattan Project in World War II, that right. in just three years managed to build, to go from the atomic bomb being just a theory, a theory of Albert mm-hmm. Einstein's, to being reality in just three years. Uh, we could do that same thing. We actually know how to protect the electric grid now, and it would take us very little time, but we need to plow through the deep state bureaucracy that's blocking both President Trump and the Congress from protecting the grid. Uh, you know, there are deep state bureaucrats, holdovers from the Obama administration, and just long-serving bureaucrats who don't know anything about EMP, but they think they know better than the President of the United States, the U.S. Congress, and the EMP Commission. And these people need to be bulldozed out of the way through uh, a Manhattan Project. Our envision uh, the Manhattan Project uh, was so successful because Franklin Roosevelt, then the President during World War II, appointed an executive agent with his authority and backing, a guy named General Leslie Groves. And he's the one that made, uh, that uh, that got the resources for the scientists and uh, 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 plowed away the bureaucracy of that day so that we could get the atomic bomb before the Nazis got it and basically won World War II. It also created the nuclear infrastructure that enabled us to win the Cold War, that three-year project. And uh, we need to do something similar to that. Drastic measures are needed. An executive agent with the presidential authority to tell the Department of Homeland Security and the Department of Energy and the Department of Defense to work together and make it happen and uh, and get the American people protected from this uh, terrible threat. Well, I want to just remind our audience, that was back, uh, actually before we, we got into uh, World War II, 1939, they did the research and uh, FDR, uh, I guess, and you mentioned... Uh, Leslie Grove, uh, put together uh, the, most of our uh, top uh, scientific community and the military got together and to uh, create this atomic uh, bomb that you just mentioned, even before we got into World War II, correct, Dr. Pry? So what, well, uh, the project, uh, the, the project Manhattan itself. Project actually didn't start until, until 1941 when we entered World when War II. We entered II. it. But uh-huh. we were thinking about it because uh, oh. uh, Albert Einstein, it's the called famous Einstein letter, wrote a letter to Franklin Roosevelt in 1939 yeah. warning him that the Nazis had split the atom. They, they were years ahead of us at that point. They, had all, they already had things like nuclear uh, piles and had actually successfully split the atom uh, mm. on, on a small scale. Uh, uh, they hadn't built an atomic bomb yet, but, but they, had, they were way ahead of us in terms of the scientific physics and, and actual... You know, uh, things like nuclear piles for uh, experimenting with splitting atoms and heavy water and stuff like that. And uh, uh, then in response to the Einstein letter, Roosevelt formed something called the Uranium Committee, you know, which investigated, well, do we think this is possible? And, and, uh, and uh, you know, what are, you know, some of the scientific resources that we would need in order to do this. So there were sort of like studies that happened. But then after the war broke out, that's when they really launched the serious Manhattan mm. Project, where it went from being basically a study group into being an all-out effort, you know, to build the bomb before Nazi Germany got it. But where do we get these experts, folks? We have the cream of the crop, to my understanding, to do this. We did, and 
part it was uh, in part uh, in part we owed it to Adolf Hitler mm. because he was uh, his mm. anti-Semitic persecution of the Jews drove a lot of their best nuclear physicists and scientists mm. to America, including Albert Einstein himself, by the way, who mm. had who had been living in Germany, uh, but uh, uh, escaped to America, you know, during the persecution of the Jews. And uh, uh, Edward Teller was a Jewish Hungarian physicist also who. Uh, you know, came over to our side. Uh, you know, we had many, uh, uh, and in, and well, of course, we had excellent scientists, some excellent physicists ourselves. You know, living here already, um, mm. and that's where we got a lot of the intellectual expertise. But a guy that doesn't get enough credit, all right, was General Leslie Groves himself. You know, who who was not a scientist. Uh, you know, but uh, he was a street-fighting bureaucrat, mm. uh, very, very uh, high degree of natural intelligence, but he knew how to win bureaucratic battles. And, and, and the bureaucratic battles, the bureaucratic impediments to getting the atomic bomb were actually, in many respects, more formidable than the scientific and physics problem mm. of building the bomb itself. Because just think about what was necessary to ultimately build the bomb. We had to build Oak Ridge National Laboratory, for example, and, uh, and build uh, nuclear react uh, 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 the gaseous diffusion plants, which never existed before, mm. to to to, to uh, come up with weapons grade uranium, and this meant taking over tens of thousands of acres in Tennessee that originally had belonged to farmers. And uh, yeah, I mean it was a highly politically unpopular thing to do, but it was it took a General Groves with the backing of the president to take the political heat and and make that happen. Basically, we built several secret cities that didn't exist before. I mean, all of that logistical support, uh, you know, encountered a lot of, 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 of opposition, and, um, and uh, it was overcoming that opposition uh, that was probably even more important to getting the bomb built than the actual physics problem of the bomb itself. Yeah. Is that now, we're in a much better position when it comes to EMP, because we already know how to protect against EMP. We don't. We don't have to take over anybody's. Uh, okay. We don't have to take over farmland. We don't have to build new factories and, and figure out how to do it. But the bureaucratic opposition today in Washington, sad to say, is uh, is uh, even worse, far t- hundred times worse than what Leslie Grove faced. But why is that? Because, is it because they don't have a clue? Pretty much, well, or they have no understanding of how how serious or how important this is, or they're just too wrapped up in their own uh, you know their own world, uh, so to speak. It's a good it's a good question, Lou, and uh, I have my own answer. There's not an official answer as to mm. why can't the U.S. government seem to do this on its own through the organizations that are supposed to do it, like the Department of Energy and like the U.S. Mm. Federal Energy Regulatory Commission that's supposed to provide for the security of the grid, but isn't. Uh, uh, I think, looking at it from a historian's perspective, I think it's a civilizational problem. You know, every civilization goes through a period where, in their youth, they're extremely competent, and you have people who know how to do things that build that civilization into a great power. And then bureaucracy sort of takes over, mm. and and the people who are really creative and energetic and driven and knew how to get things done, get replaced with people who aren't energetic and aren't brilliant and don't know how to get things done. And they become part of a, uh, basically, they become this permanent bureaucracy that we've got in Washington. And 
I offer you some examples of what we used to do, be able to do as a society. We mentioned the Manhattan Project, right? right? Okay? Yeah. That was just one thing that the great generation that lived through the Great Depression and won World War II, that was just one thing they did. Another thing they did is they took, you know, there was almost people, it's hard to, to believe it now because our military is so great, but before World War II, we almost had no military. You know, we had 100,000 men in our army, and only 50,000 of them had rifles. The other half had, had wooden dummy rifles, okay? But we became the arsenal of, of democracy almost overnight. Overnight. And deployed million-man armies that were, and, and supplied our allies with tanks and firearms and everything, they, including the Russians. You know, we, we sent a million trucks to Russia, you know, uh, and thousands of, sure, of, of tanks uh, to help them win the war on the battlefields in addition to arming our own troops. And and you mentioned, I think you were going to mention Sherman, talking about Sherman tanks. We used them for, we actually used World War I Sherman tanks, uh, tanks, I think you were going to say in a moment. Well, we uh, used Sherman tank, uh, Sherman tank, there were yeah. a whole, whole variety of tanks, but yes. Sherman, Sherman was a World War II era tank. That we made, right, made, sure. Right. made like 100,000 of them in the court, uh, mm. court, court, court Overnight war. almost, yeah. Uh, and, and so we went from being one of the weakest military powers in the world to defeating Nazi Germany and Imperial Japan, who were built a couple of the greatest war machines in history. In mm. addition to that, you know, we, we built a nuclear navy after World War II. You know, the first na you know, nuclear submarines, nuclear aircraft carriers. In the 50s, General uh, Eisenhower, when he was president, he built the national highway system, 50,000 road miles, as much as the Roman Empire built in, a, mm. in, a, in the course of centuries, we built in a few years. And we and we sent a man to the moon. Okay, you know that's those are the kinds of things we were able to accomplish. And now, you know, decades later, and that and I think that was because you know that was sort of in the youth of us being a superpower when we we had highly competent people, brilliant people in charge, people who had gone from the private sector and knew how to mm. do things, okay, and build things in the private sector, became part. Uh, ran the government during World War II and during the 50s and 60s when we were, uh, you know, when we were capable of doing great enterprises, all right? And then the government bureaucracy, these people are, had died off, got replaced with a permanent bureaucracy. So that today, you know, in the, for example, in the Obama administration, we couldn't even build a website for Obamacare that worked. Mm. The U.S. Army, remember the Free Syrian Army? You know, we, we spent... $500 million to try to build a free Syrian army that was comprised of only 50 people. There were 50 people, $500 million to build a free Syrian army that numbered only 50 people, and most of them ended up defecting to Al-Qaeda. Right. You know, we can't uh, seem to accomplish much of it. We can't, we, we sent a man to the moon. In no, that great can't. generation, and now we cannot even send our own astronauts into space. We can't even we, appoint the United States Supreme Court justice. Yeah, we have to we rely can't even on the do that. send yeah. our astronauts into space now. <laughs> right, and we can't uh, support, uh, appoint the Supreme Court. As a matter of fact, you know, while we were kibitzing to show how unwise and how dangerous yeah. this is, while we've been kibitzing over the, over the, the Supreme Court justice, yeah. one week ago, okay, the Russians and Chinese conducted a joint military exercise called Vostok 18 that was not only the, uh, the largest military exercise ever conducted by Russia or the Soviet Union. Mm. It was probably the largest military exercise in world history. It had 
they, uh, they, they projected to Siberia 300,000 troops, 36,000 tanks and other vehicles, 1,000 aircraft and 80 ships. And the Ru- Russians and Chinese played this game together, and uh, in the, it lasted a week. So here you've got evidence of a Russian-Chinese military alliance against Amazing. us. Okay? And in the course of that week, uh, they, uh, they simulated two nuclear wars against the United States. All right? And our, our geniuses in the, in the State Department, bureau, bureaucracy, Washington officialdom, says, well, don't worry about it. There isn't any treaty between Russia and China making a formal alliance. Mm. Well, I think Main Street USA understands that when Russia and China are playing a nuclear war game with them on one side and us on the other, that basically is a military alliance, whether it's undeclared or formal or not. They clearly are ganging up on us. I want to talk about this other thing. You know, in line with what you're talking about, you mentioned nuclear subs. Uh, I think one of the things that uh, you had discussed is, aside from the uh, electro... Just complete my thought, Lou. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Now, isn't that, isn't that, that the events that just transpired a week ago, a little more important than Judge Kavanaugh's... Absolutely, than what we're doing now, it's it's a joke. Just one hearing, one hearing, you know, but there's almost nothing about it in the newspapers, almost nothing, all the focus in Washington is on these ridiculous allegations against this good man, and... uh, you know, while while the Russians and Chinese are planning to destroy us in a, a nuclear World War III, right. that they're lied and, and and the Washington Post barely spent any ink on it at all. That's how unwise and how dangerous the uh, and, we and, have know, become. Pry, and you know, how dangerous we, the world is. It, the, the the problem is that you know, your message nobody's getting. You know, that's that's yeah. that's the problem. One, one well, of the, Lou Talano gets it, doesn't well, he? Well, absolutely. But you know, I'm also concerned about. Uh, one of the things you had mentioned, thank you, Doctor. I mentioned my name. They they mentioned that the new and uh, in these game wars, then they uh, were able to do these shock waves to knock out uh, uh, nuclear submarines as well. I mean, you talked about uh, another way that they yes, that was another report. Another I did, report uh, that, yes. earlier in this summer that our task force did. It was called Poseidon, hmm. Russia's new doomsday machine. Uh, one of the other things that has gotten very little attention while we've been focused on uh, all of this, uh, uh, while the liberal press has been focused on, uh, has all this angst over Donald Trump, mm. is uh, Vladimir Putin on March 1st of this year announced a whole new family of nuclear superweapons that Russia uh, is building, mm. and some of which are already existing in prototype form, one of which has actually been tested. It's the Satan II. You know, it's the most powerful intercontinental ballistic missile ever built that could deliver up to, uh, you know, uh, uh, 30 or 40 warheads on one missile against us, so that with just a few missiles you could do a disarming first strike against the United States, the Satan II. They've actually test-fired it a couple of times now, successfully. But this, what you're referring to is this robot submarine. And this is, in my view, I did a special report on this, because yes. in my view this is one of the, one of the most disturbing mm. and scariest nuclear superweapons that the Russians have ever built, because it's an unmanned robot submarine that has artificial, it's artificial, basically it's an artificially intelligent 100 megaton bomb that's designed to roam around on the ocean, uh, on the ocean floor and hunt our submarines. And hunt our submarines is one, one possible mission for this. The Russians advertise it as, 
as being designed to create nuclear tsunamis, you know, tidal waves that are 300 feet high and radioactive to swamp our eastern and western seaboards, which is where most of our people and population live. Right. Well, and that's the one thing it could do, because a 100 megaton bomb could generate radioactive tidal waves like that. But I, I, I suspect another mission it has is, is this going after our ballistic missile submarines. Uh, that is the thing. Our submarines, our ballistic missile submarines, are the thing that kept the Soviet Union from launching a surprise attack on us during the Cold War, because they couldn't fa- figure out how they could find them and destroy them, okay? And I think this Poseidon system is the answer to that mm. question. So they can finally figure out how to go after our subs and get them. Because a 100 megaton weapon detonated underwater will generate a tremendous underwater shockwave, you know, that could destroy submarines within a radius of over 100 kilometers. Uh, so you don't even have to know exactly where they are. If you can get kind of, get, get within a, a 100 or 200 kilometers of them, you can nail them with this. And, uh, I suspect this, uh, this submarine is programmed so that it's probably got the signatures of our of our submarines in it, so it can listen for them and track them and follow them around until the Russians decide it's D-Day, and then they can tell their their robot subs to uh, now is the time, you know, detonate yourself and uh, and take out the American the American submarines. The very disturbing thing about this is um, they're doing this at the same time that Henry Kissinger wrote a, a brilliant article in The Atlantic warning about this very thing, about how, you know, we really can't trust artificial intelligence. And you don't have to be Henry Kissinger to understand that. Mm. I think anybody who's been a faithful moviegoer over the last decade must have seen many movies like in Terminator, right. where, well, where by relying on artificial intelligence, you know, uh, uh, these things either make a mistake or it becomes self-conscious. Mm. Basically, a Franken the Frankenstein monster scenario, except with nuclear weapons now, where the where the uh, artificially intelligent machine turns against its creator. Yeah, and uh, the possibility, even not necessarily something as dramatic as that, but do you really want to have your your life and your your children's lives dependent on some Russian computer programmer not making a mistake when they're when they're programming the Poseidon so that something goes wrong? And doesn't something always go wrong? Uh, so uh, this is a new escalation in the in the weapons of mass destruction, nuclear arms area uh, that is unprecedented because it's the first time that someone has deployed, is in the process of deploying. They haven't deployed it yet, but they've got a prototype that they're experimenting with. And in my report, I recommend to the president, I, I hope President Trump will sink these things right. rather than let them be deployed. He should warn Putin if you try deploying that thing off our coast, we're going to sink it, you know, because mm-hmm. it's too too hazardous to, uh, to 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 expect the American people to live with that thing. If anything goes wrong, you know, 100 megaton t- radioactive nuclear tidal waves are not something we're going to put up with. That's going too far. And Kissinger's article hypothesized about this very thing, about how dangerous artificial intelligence in the national security area can be, and that we need to think that through before actually doing it. The, the ink is barely dry on Kissinger's article. I mean, he wrote his article in June, and the Russians are already experimenting with exactly that kind of a system. Now, aside from aside from Donald Trump, listening to you, is anybody in Congress listening to you? I mean, you uh, aren't you an uh, advisor, director to, to the... Well, we, we, 
Yeah. A lot of people are. I, you know, the but, Congress deserves high what? marks, frankly. Hmm. Uh, both the president and the Congress have listened, not just to me, but the EMP commission. EMP commission. Uh, you which, know, yeah. uh, there, there's a, con- a caucus called the Congressional EMP Caucus that uh, that uh, supports us very strongly, and they've done uh, what the EMP commission asked last year. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give a call, call, shout out to uh, Senator Ron Johnson. Hmm who's the, uh, the chairman of the Senate Homeland Security Committee, so he's the most powerful congressman when it comes to, uh, to Homeland Security. Wow. And he had passed a bill back in 2016, not long ago, called the Critical Infrastructure Protection Act. And it basically follows the advice of the EMP Commission and directs the Department of Homeland Security by law to say, you know, you shall protect the electric grid and the other life-sustaining critical infrastructures from EMP. Come up with a strategy for protecting it. Start pilot programs with utilities to prove that this can be done. So it's a matter of law. And the bill passed unanimously. Every member of Congress, you never hear about that. No, you don't. That this is one area where we have strong bipartisan support, and it isn't a question of Republican or Democrat. Every member of Congress supported that bill, and it passed by in flying colors. And President Trump in September, in his new national security strategy, is the first president of the United States to include EMP, wow. protection of the electric grid, in his national security strategy. He's the first one, Dr. Pryor? He's the first one. First president so, to include that? Yes. And so, so here you are. Now, in the constitutional republic that I grew up in, okay, when the president of the United States, the commander-in-chief, directs the federal government, you shall protect the electric grid, okay, and the other life-sustaining critical infrastructures, that this is an important part of our national security strategy. And then when he's backed up by the Congress of the United States that passes a law that says it's a matter of law that you shall protect the electric grid, that should be it, right? You know, when the president and the Congress agree on something like that, and it's a matter of, of executive direction and the law passed by Congress, right. that should be it. The job of the federal government at that point is to salute and make it happen. But they're not doing it. You know, there is this thing called the deep state out there where yeah. we have Obama holdovers and thousands of bureaucrats who are part of a permanent bureaucracy who think they know better than the president. They think they know better than the Congress. They think they know better than the Congressional EMP Commission. And while they're not overtly defiant and saying, no, we're not going to follow the law, what they do do is... Only in Washington can endless studies and meetings be described as actions, okay? You know, to, to outside the Beltway, meeting endlessly and spending money endlessly on reports, that's not action. That's doing nothing. And, in effect, that's what they're doing, spinning their wheels on reports and meetings and conferences. And not all they have to do, I mean, the commission told them how to do it. You know, they haven't, they haven't actually done one thing to harden the electric grid. You know, not one transformer has got a Faraday cage on it or a blocking device or a surge arrestor. And that could have been done if the, when the EMP Commission delivered its reports back in 2008. Even not on an emergency basis, but just moving at a leisurely pace, we think it could have been done in about three and a half to five years. So it should have been accomplished by now. It should have been done. And had it been done, you know, the people that suffered in Hurricane Sandy wouldn't have suffered as much as they did. You know, because it would have protected the electric grid a lot better, the blackout wouldn't have been as long, and people could have gone home after the hurricane much sooner than they did. Well, why don't we get rid of these people then? 
if they're well, not you can't complaining, fire a general if they're not the, well, it's very okay. hard to, it's very, I agree with you. I, I would fire them. If they're not I, doing I, it, if they're not doing their job, I mean, those are, those are great reasons why to terminate them, you know. I think whether I, they're doing it consciously or not, not only aren't they doing their job. Well, they're incompetent. They're so if, they're incom if they're incompetent, that's another reason. They just can't, yes. can't do the job. So. There's, there is gross incompetence. And, uh, a lot of it is corruption too. Yeah. Uh, take one example, the U.S. Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, okay? They're supposed to be the point agency on securing the electric grid. But when you look at who are these people, who are the FERC commissioners, they're all lawyers and lobbyists yes. that used to work for the electric power industry. And, they, uh, and so the U.S. FERC, I think political scientists call it regulatory capture. Hmm. You know, the guys who are the regulators have been have been bought and paid for and captured by the electric power industry they're supposed to regulate. And, um, you know, Secretary Perry, the Secretary of DOE, actually ordered them uh, to basically stop shutting down coal-fired plants, okay? Because one of the things, um, the Obama administration wanted coal-fired plants shut down for climate change reasons, all right? Mm. Um, uh, President Trump wanted to end the war on coal. And the EMP Commission supports the continuation of these coal-fired plants because they're the, they're, 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 they're the third most resistant form of electrical energy when it comes to right. EMP or cyber mm. warfare on the grid, okay? And, uh, uh, but uh, uh, they basically did defy Secretary Perry a direct order from the Secretary of Energy, you know, to, uh, uh, to stop their, their process that was shutting down these coal-fired plants. It's just, it's just one example. And then, uh, you know, so that's a, that's part of it is, you know, the, the corruption, you know, because these people have this rotating door with the private sector, sector utilities. Another part of it is, is, and maybe the bigger part, is just sheer incompetence. There's, um, because people don't get fired in the federal government, right. no, no matter how badly they do in their job, they always not only keep their jobs, but oftentimes get promoted. Yeah, you know, and the, and they so the, so they uh, if you've served in the government X number of years, then you you know you rise to the next level, no matter how bad your record yeah, is. Yeah, you have the ten, just, you have the tenure. The yeah, sure. and and uh, as a consequence, you know people are capable of rationalizing anything, and so you've got you know hundreds of thousands of these Washington bureaucrats who think they deserve these promotions. And they deserve to get paid more than their private sector colleagues. And um, uh, and if they haven't heard about EMP, it's not because they're deficient or stupid or ignorant. Mm. It just can't be that important. Because if it was, since they have constantly been promoted and everything, they would have heard of it, and uh, and and this would matter. And there's so there's just an incredible arrogance among some of these people, and laziness too. They they much prefer to just keep doing business as usual. As you, yeah. you know the way mm. they always have to. Uh, and uh, they know how to do one thing, and so they keep doing that. And uh, if, if you have introduced EMP or cyber warfare, and they have to do something different, uh, that's hard. That's hard work, and it also it also potentially threatens. They feel it's a potential threat to their to their position because especially, they're yeah. frankly ignorant. Especially that's what I was going to say. Especially if they can't comprehend it. Yeah, just exactly. Kinda, and so yeah, that's the problem. And you know, we 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 need a rather, and it's not just. In addition to EMP, I mean, it's the whole gamut of things on the agenda. I mentioned cyber warfare as part of this problem because EMP is actually part of cyber warfare, the doctrine of the Russians and the yeah. Chinese and, 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 and all, all, all the rest. 
But could, could, could some of them are, are angry holdovers because they're, they're you know, political reasons that they just don't like the present president? So a lot I know of them, some personally, my friend. I know some personally that are exactly that. It is, it's really astonishing that how many Obama holdovers Correct. who are basically opposed to the president's agenda are 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 not only in the bureaucracy but have landed and wormed their way into the permanent bureaucracy. They've went from being appointees to uh, you know to being a permanent part of the bureaucracy, so that we basically can't get rid of them. Uh. And uh, and I know this for a fact, especially when it comes to my area, when it, where, where EMP is concerned. You know, there are certain people I know who I've argued with and still continue to do battle uh, with who uh, were there obstructing us during the Obama I was going to use that obstruction. Yeah, now they're embedded in the bureaucracy uh, in such a way that, that, that the president basically can't get rid of them. And, uh, and uh, you know, and they continue to misinform people and, uh, and push counterproductive policies to the direction that the president wants to go in. Uh, I, you know, you know, I wish the president can just say you're fired. You know. So do I. Uh, uh, you know, we really need to to uh, uh, change the laws so that so that there is not this uh, ironclad job security. There has to it has to be like in the private sector. You know, their their performance. You know, their career should be be dependent on performance. And if they don't perform, we need to be able to get rid of them. And um, uh, if we can't get rid, I mean, one of the things I've recommended is uh you know at least moving them out of those Correct. responsible positions let them go down and serve food in the cafeteria Great or thought. give them jobs we may not be able to cut their salaries okay maybe they'll be the highest paid janitorial staff yeah. in the history of the world but at least they'll stop doing damage to our national security yeah and they still maybe they should go down to a soy food in, in the kitchen or someplace you know so so but the civil servants and, and, and that's one of the big problems. But even in, even in civil service, if you're incompetent, or you mentioned the word lazy before, or you're uh, uh, obstructing, that should be reason to, I, I don't know if they do that at that level, is like bring them up on charges. If, you know, if it should be structured like that, most civil service is, you know. Remember how badly a lot of veterans, a lot of veterans died due to, um, um, uh, incompetent uh, behavior in yes. veterans. Remember that? Yep, absolutely. And, uh, and President Trump promised he was going to reform that. And uh, uh, he did manage to fire some of those people, okay, and, uh, so that, and which is almost unprecedented. But he did manage to fire some of, some of those people. But just look at the difficulty of just firing a handful Correct. of these people who, 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 who actually caused some of our veterans to die yeah. because of their, uh, of their incompetent exactly. behavior. It actually took a presidential campaign to dynamite these people out of their positions. I mean, that's pretty bad. You know, uh, uh, everybody who isn't a federal employee must, you know, must think it's a, a pretty good situation. And it is a pretty good situation to be an excellent situation to be a federal employee where, you know, where you basically can't get fired, you know, for incompetence or it's very difficult to, 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 to fire you. And, um, and you actually get benefits that are, mm. are, are better now. Uh, that used to be, that used to not be possible. I mean, it used to be that when you were a public servant, you weren't supposed to be recompensated better than people in the private sector. But when you look at their whole package, 
their salary plus their benefits and everything else, they make they get oh, much yeah. better. The, the health the healthcare and, is yeah, healthcare yeah. is included, which most people in the private industry pay for their own health care. Yeah, in addition yeah. to job security. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, uh, you know, they they they've got them. They they're much better off than the average American. You know, working anywhere else in the United States, and that's exactly. just not right for someone who's supposed to be in there for public service. So, so what what can we do? Let me put it this way: it's a, ter- it's a tough question. What can we do so people could realize, you know, what what we're talking about? You know, what, what you know, our big concern: uh, Russia and, and uh, China have war games. Well, we're doing dumb hearings in Washington, like we mentioned a moment ago, and, and nobody real- realizes. Not nobody, but most most of us don't realize it and even know about it. And uh, uh, how do we bring that to the front? At least, if, I don't know. The, we, the press is not even helpful in regard to that, like you said. Well, you're well, part of the press, which is why I'm on this show. Thank so you. You're doing your part to educate I, America. I tried to. Uh, yeah, I tried to, and I do because I, I did get so many calls after you were on uh, several months ago when you were on, because people couldn't. They had no uh, EMP. You know uh, what is this uh, electromagnetic pulse? You know, and uh, they were just so it, it, some the message got it's getting out there, but too slow. And uh, I agree, I agree, it's getting out there too slow, and we're not moving. Uh, even though the Congress has passed a law to require the country be protected, and even though it's part of the president's national security strategy, you know. We're basically still arguing about it. There shouldn't be any argument when the Congress and the President are united and right. speak to the bureaucracy. That's why, um, that's why the book is called EMP Manhattan Project, because I think that's what's needed. You know, something like the Manhattan Project we had in World War II. Correct. To plow through these bureaucrats and bull, just bull, blow them out of the way so we can get the job done. And get another. And, um, it's get unfortunate another. because it, it shouldn't be necessary. You know, it, it, um, if, if, if the Department of Energy and the U.S. Federal Energy Regulatory Commission were doing their jobs and were competently run, you know, we wouldn't need a special project to do it. But yeah. they've had their chance. It's been more than 10 years since right. the EMP Commission made Amazing. its recommendations, and they haven't done a thing. So, you know, EMP Manhattan Project, that's available on Amazon.com. Another one of the books you had mentioned was Blackout Wars, also oh, available right. on Amazon.com for those who... Who haven't heard about EMP and don't know about cyber warfare? Uh, this, uh, both of those books can provide an education. Uh, absolutely. Now, do we have another General Leslie Grove in the wings? Do we We'd have to find him. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't know who that particular uh, uh, person would be. Uh, you know, but um, uh, we would we would have to find him. It does right. take a special person to be a, a General Leslie Grove. Yeah. Uh, uh, we have many brilliant scientists. You know, uh, uh, you know, my boss on the EMP commission was a guy named Dr. William Graham. Okay, and, and he's our—he's what I would call our Robert, Robert Oppenheimer mm. or Albert Einstein wow. of EMP. You know, but he wouldn't want the job of being a Leslie Groves. You know, he's not a uh, a bureaucrat and um, uh, and has urged, uh, earned his retirement. You know, he would like to—he uh, continues in the fight, but just because. EMP is an existential threat to our civilization. It's the only thing that keeps him coming back to Washington and keeps him in the fight through the EMP task force. I've been looking and thinking about, well, who could that that right. General Leslie Groves be? And I, 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 I have candidates in my mind. I don't want to mention their names over the radio. Oh, okay. But, uh, you know, uh, there are possibilities. Mm. 
they got to have they, they got to have uh, how do I say this the guts of Donald Trump to start and, with. Yes, yes, and I, I I think someone with a military background, yeah. you know, who who really gets the urgency uh, of this and won't put up with nonsense, you know, uh, you know the military is is the the best functioning part of the federal government, and uh, uh, you know people who have experience in battlefield experience. Right. Uh, there's nothing uh, nothing better than that, you know, and, for for, mm. for a life to deal for dealing with life threatening kinds of situations. And you don't have and you don't have to be a scientist. You just have to be a manager, administrator. Yeah, it's actually easier to have yeah. the, the the scientists are the easiest part. Correct. You know, we've got them. I yes. mean, we've got the EMP commission. What we need is somebody who, uh, you know, is uh, is a, a, a master of uh, bureaucratic politics and utterly ruthless, you know, when it comes to dealing with the uh, with bureaucrats, so that he can make the system work, knock people's heads. One person I will mention that I have I've actually mm. suggested in a, in, in, a, in my next article that's going to be published on this is President Trump himself, mm. you know. I would uh, urge President Trump himself to think about leading the EMP Manhattan Project the way President Eisenhower personally led the uh, building of the national highway system. Yeah. You know, when Eisenhower did that, you know, it, we were building the national highway system not so people could drive from New York to Disneyland and go on big mm -hmm. vacations, okay? He knew that was going to be uh, an ancillary benefit, but it was originally done for national security reasons. You know, so that so that if we had to move populations out of our cities in the event of a nuclear war with with Russia, right? You know, we would be able to would have some kind of chance of doing that. And if we had to move troops around from one sure. coast to the, to the other to support uh, to fight the communists in Asia or Europe, yeah. that we could do that through the national mm. highway system. That's why, and uh, uh, he had in World War II, Eisenhower had seen the autobahn that. Adolf Hitler, yes. so that very reason to move troops around, and he realized how effective it was because he had a fight against those German troops mm. that were moved over the Autobahn. So he gave a very high, pri such high priority that he personally oversaw a, the crash program to build the national highway system. And I think, you know, this is, uh, I would nominate President Trump as my first choice. Uh, mm. He wouldn't need an executive agent. He would be the man himself to walk. Uh, to actually, to actually do this. The problem is he's got so much on his plate now. Yeah, you're right. I, I that's, agree. That's, I agree. Yeah, that's that's but that would probably be the best guy to do it. But yeah, he does have so much on his plate. So and in the end, he'll have to he'll probably have to appoint an executive agent like oh, a General Leslie he's, Grove, yeah, he's, somebody to do it for him. But someone who, when they need his his backing, they can say, Mr. President, you know, I I need you to make a phone call, right, and and do it. And when I, you know, I briefed President Trump in Iowa before he became president, mm. when he was first starting out. I briefed him about EMP, had 45 minutes with him, and he oh. got it, and he understood it. And he pr made me a promise and said, Dr. Pry, if I'm elected president, I promise you I'm going to knock their heads together, and we're going to get this problem solved. And, and sure enough, he included it in his national security strategy. And, his, his, and the people that are currently on his National Security Council staff, John Bolton, yeah. Mm. He's got a lot of people on the NSC staff who know about the EMP threat and deeply care about it and are going to try to 
I'm very hopeful that they're going to make it a priority and do something about it. Well, it should um, be. I mean, you're talking about just recent war games between uh, Russia and China. I mean, the handwriting's on the wall. For, for yeah, aimed at us. Right, exactly. So, you know. But, but, I don't know. But, I, you know, I thought the what would be their gain? Because you know, obviously, no matter the advantage that they may have from what you're talking about, uh, we're, we're, we're still going to, you know, uh, you know, again, we're going to just try to do what we can to get back at them and be it'd be the end of the world. I mean, the way we're going, if everyone just uh, just do, does all these damn crazy stuff that we're talking about. What, what what would the China and Russia's gain just to, just to be uh, Superman or just to be the powerful the powerhouse of the world? What would you know? Yeah, I think that, I, that what they want uh, there's a tacit alliance between Russia, China, North Korea, and Iran. Mm. Uh, all right. Uh, wow. On, they're one block, uh, and through Iran, international terrorism because Iran is the world's leading sponsor of international terrorism. Right. And this is a more formidable block than the Warsaw Pact was wow. combined with the USSR during the Cold, the Cold War. Yeah. Especially so since, since like a country like North, North Korea has got nuclear weapons and the ability to hit us with nuclear weapons now. Yeah. Not even Adolf Hitler achieved that. Yeah. That's a whole yeah. new kind of a threat. And uh, the, the game that the Chinese and the Russians are playing, you know, is a chess game. North Korea... They want to remake the world order so that they dominate it, not the United States. Mm. You know, and what they want to do is they want to make the world such a scary place that the United States will retreat from its role as the global policeman or the upholder of the current world order, mm. and go into an isolationist posture. All right, and uh, uh, and 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 pull out. For example, uh, is it, they hope that we'll make a calculation like this that. You know, if the North Koreans can threaten America with an EMP attack, as they as they can, right. is it really worth it to us? Dare we uphold our security guarantees to Japan and South Korea and our other Pacific allies? Isn't mm. it in our interests, in the interests of the American people, to get out of that situation? Because the the the, the calculus of of risk and gain has changed for us. You know, uh, when before North Korea could reach out and hit us with nukes. You know, we didn't face that risk, and now we do. That's why you see North Korea is basically a pawn of the Chinese and Russians. The North people, it's amazing to me how the intelligence community is so bewildered over how did the Russia, uh, how did North Korea so quickly become a nuclear weapon state and get long-range ICBMs that could strike mm-hmm. us. It's obvious. You know, they've been getting help from the Chinese sure. and the Russians. The North Korean threat is built on Russian and Chinese technology. Uh, I'm not sure if it was the last time I was on your show, but, you know, as one example, the transporter electro, you know, North Korea's got mobile ICBMs. That is a huge deal. Not even the United States has got a mobile ICBM. The wow. only three countries in the world that have got mobile ICBMs are Russia, China, and North Korea. Why don't we have it? Because we have neglected through many administrations the yeah. modernization of our ICBMs. Not only don't we have mobile ICBMs, but our, all of our missiles and our delivery systems are over a quarter century yeah. old. You know, some of the bombers are older, and we should have them. We should yeah. have the latest, most current nuclear weapons and delivery systems. President Trump has suddenly, you know, wants to modernize our forces, but they haven't been modernized in decades. You know, mm-hmm. and it's, it, 
just another example of the gross irresponsibility, you know, that has uh, going on in our government that we could have arrived at a situation like this. You know, we haven't tested a nuclear weapon in, in 25 years. And, uh, you know, some scientists wonder if they would even work, you know, uh, they, because they're so old. They're way past their useful – they were never designed to, to be kept around for so many decades, you know. And wow. But the, the labs have computer models and things like that, and they try to certify that they'll work every year. But, you know, there's no substitute for an actual test to know that, that, to, to know that it'll work, and we haven't tested them. Um, well, meanwhile, meanwhile, the other these other countries we're talking about are testing theirs. I mean, it's right in our face. And, uh, yes, North but, Korea has, uh, has, you know, has yeah. has done more than a, a half dozen nuclear tests and tested its ICBMs. And the reason, wow. the, uh, it, I know, uh, uh, it's advertised as a big accomplishment that North Korea hasn't conducted any more nuclear tests and it hasn't conducted any more yeah. ICBM flights. Yes. But that's not really a big accomplishment <laughs> because the North Koreans did enough testing I was so that, say they, that. They, they, that they're satisfied yeah. with their missile systems. That's what they have basically said publicly and said and, and just what they say to themselves. Right. You know, and it makes sense too, you know, because that they, they just this past summer, I mean they passed the line this past summer when they successfully tested two of their ICBMs. Right. That could, that could actually hit any point in the United States. And, uh, you know, the last little bit of hope that people cling to, that the Department of State likes to cling to, is, well, they haven't tested a reentry vehicle. They haven't demonstrated that they've got a reentry vehicle. Mm. A reentry vehicle is what you put the nuclear weapon in so that it doesn't burn up when it's going into the atmosphere. Uh-huh. You know, but that is so, that is such a stupid argument because there's nothing to build in a reentry vehicle, you know? I mean, a reentry vehicle is easy compared to building a hydrogen bomb. Correct. And that's and they te- tested a hydrogen bomb successfully last September, and it, and a building a reentry vehicle is easy compared to building an ICBM. Mm. You know, and so why would they not? How how why would you don't even need to test a reentry vehicle? You know, um, wow. uh, because it's a simple engineering problem. Uh, you, you know what the reentry velocity is, so you know how hot it's going to get in the atmosphere. So just by using a slide rule, you could figure out, you know, what the characteristics are for the reentry vehicle. And the fact is they have built and tested other reentry vehicles all the way up to their intermediate-range ballistic missiles. And, yeah. and when they do parades for their ICBMs, you can actually see, you know, that, uh, you know, they actually have built and fielded ICBMs that must have reentry vehicles on them. And we can see that under the, uh, you know, if you look at the nose cone of the thing, the reentry vehicle is hidden hidden underneath the nose cone of the missile and the and the shape of the front ends of the missile are consistent with what you would need for you know for a reentry vehicle but um so the bottom line is I've, uh, uh, all that right. is that north korea you know almost certainly has the capability in reality to reach out and strike us either with their icbms they've got two satellites orbiting over us as you and i speak we yeah. talk, might have talked about that last time yep. and that those could be armed with uh, super EMP weapons. But the, the thing is, getting to your original question, what are Ch- Russia and China up to? Right. What they would like to do is is supl- so replace the United States as the global superpowers, the dominant power in the world, and dominate the world order with minimum risk to themselves without having to wage a World War III. You know, by intimidating us and scaring us with these nuclear threats and with their big exercises, 
so that we go into a defensive posture and say, mm. well, you know, we're going to go into the Fortress America posture and just protect ourselves. And maybe we should do that. I mean, you know, right. I know a lot of uh, people we, that I deeply well, respect that say, hey, if NATO is not willing to spend what's necessary to protect itself, and the Japanese and South Koreans have so mismanaged their own affairs, mm. you know, why didn't they come to us much earlier and ask us to take out the North Korean nuclear program? They were always afraid to do that. And now they want us to be vulnerable to North Korea the way they're vulnerable yeah. to North Korea. Well, maybe, you know, that's such an irresponsible attitude. You know, our allies haven't been that great. You know, maybe we should, there, there is a legitimate case could be made that maybe the time has arrived for the United States to pull out and let our allies take care of themselves. That's what President Trump has threatened sometimes, unless they step up yeah. to the plate, they're doing their part. Um, and, uh, but that's the scenario. The Russians and Chinese would like to see us pull out of the Middle East, pull right. out of the Pacific without war, because their proxies, their, their pawns, North Korea and Iran, will be able to pose such significant nuclear threats to us by EMP attack or, and by threatening our cities right. and things of that sort. And, 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 uh, and if they did have to get into a nuclear war with us, they could do it through North Korea. And mm. I predict, uh, you know, and tell, and, and not have their fingerprints on it. Hey, it's that crazy Kim Jong-un that decided oh. to launch that nuclear attack against you, America, and against your allies in the, in the, in the Pacific. Not us, you know. And, uh, uh, Washington officialdom is so stupid about this that they act like Russia and China are our, our friends when it comes to North Korea. Mm. Uh, uh, but they haven't been backing us in terms of sanctions. Uh, you know, they, they, it took enormous amounts of pressure from President Trump to get them to employ sanctions against North Korea to try to make some kind of uh, uh, progress. And um, uh, are we making progress? I'm not sure that, that we really can verify we're not, we're not, sanctions. We're really not sure. But if we're forced yeah, to... We, we, know that we know for, for sure that North Korea continues to make missiles and, and warheads. Yes. And, uh, no, no. and, uh, they, they just haven't, they've just stopped testing them. But they continue, we know, in clandestine sites, mm. this has been reported in the press, that they continue to build their missiles. I think what their game is, is they're buying time, uh, the North Koreans. And what they want to do is build enough ICBMs and enough warheads so that the fact of a nuclear armed North Korea becomes irreversible. Well, you know. Because mm. they, like you said, they don't have to, they don't, they don't have to do any more. Tests, so they're way ahead of the game. Just build. But if we're forced, uh, Dr. Peter Pry, to take a defense position, where does that leave us? You know. Could you repeat that? I if we're forced to take like a defense position, like you said a moment ago, in other words, we're, we're, if they're, we're, no one's cooperating with us, and all we could do is just defend ourselves and prepare to defend ourselves. Well, we, there is a, a way. I think there's a way forward uh, that. Uh, okay. Would really stick it in the uh, would really ch transform the situation, and we could win this chess game. Yes, the uh, Russians, mm. the way Ronald Reagan won the chess game, uh, by uh, changing our strategic philosophy from relying only on mutual assured destruction, mm. okay, the threat of having a nuclear exchange with whoever the aggressor is. It's never been credible, you know, for us to have. Uh, that kind of a, a strategy, because totalitarian states don't value their people as much as democracies do. Yes. You know, the most valuable thing we have is our people. And I think it's also, frankly, immoral. I mean, it goes against Judeo-Christian values 
to 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 put at risk the lives of our our people, uh, no matter how noble the cause, and uh, and also to threaten genocide against the other side's right. people. Right. The alternative to that that Ronald Reagan had was the Strategic Defense Initiative. Right. To technologically leapfrog out of this situation by deploying space-based missile defenses that would render nuclear missiles obsolete. Mm. You know, that is possible to do. Uh, uh, one of the other pieces of disinformation from the liberal press is that Star Wars, uh, could never work and it would be too expensive and they've got all kinds of excuses, but that's not true. The strategic mm. defensive initiative that Reagan launched did produce a system that worked called Brilliant Pebbles. And uh, it would have been, it was ready for deployment under the Clinton administration. But the Democrats, under under Clinton and, the, and today, have a bias against, they, they prefer mutual assured destruction. Right. For, for uh, you know, uh, they didn't want to, they didn't want to cancel the ABM treaty. You know, they also love treaties. Even when the other side is known to be violating them, Correct. they still have this <laughs> love affair with treaties. And uh, Clinton considered the ABM Treaty the cornerstone of strategic stability, and he couldn't deploy Brilliant Pebbles without canceling the ABM Treaty. So he canceled Brilliant Pebbles instead, and that uh, was terminated. And this ineffective national missile defense that we've got today uh, is basically Bill Clinton's version of missile defense. It's not what Ronald Reagan had in mind when it came to national missile defense. Well, I'm very hopeful that the reason President Trump has... has uh, ordered the Pentagon to, do, to, to come up with a U.S. Space Force, okay? I'm hoping that this will be the main mission of the U.S. Space Force, to deploy space-based missile defenses to protect and shield not just America, but our allies as uh, well overseas, yeah. so that it would, this would, just imagine what a geostrategic blow this would be to our adversaries, because it would cancel mm. all the investment that they've made in these offensive missile systems, and it would change the game to favor us, because we still do have a technological lead over them. You know, we would use our technological superiority to leapfrog past where they are. And even if they want to compete with us, if they wanted to compete with us in space-based defenses, good. You know, because because space-based defenses work against the aggressor. It works against first strike. Uh, and uh, the person who tries to start a war under those circumstances yeah. is at a disadvantage and so it would tend to create a more stable world order where war using wow. nuclear missiles would be less likely wow. not more I, likely. I can't believe time went by a whole hour went by dr peter pry uh, the book is in the emp manhattan project dr peter pry I, uh, that's why we need donald trump for the uh, second term to make sure that make sure that the, your mission and your advice is completed well, thank you so much. Thank Lou, you. Thank you so thank much you. for having me. Thanks for, thanks for being my guest again, Dr. Peter Pride. We have to listen to me. And the book is the Manhattan EMP Manhattan Project. This is uh, Lou Talano. Interesting. And uh, I'll catch you later. been listening to Streetwise on the station that serves your community, WGBB AM 1240 and W240 DF FM 95.9.
The views expressed in the previous program did not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB.